0: night on Unsolved Mysteries, Baron 52 Crew, Stamper's Rampage, and Pigeon Drop. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal.
1: And I'm your other co-host, Robert, and this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast.
0: Yeah, this is a uh, coronavirus ed- edition, part two.
1: Yeah, we're, we're uh, actually—if you've listened to the previous episode—we're recording this just like a day afterwards. So there's not too much yeah. more new and corona news, right?
0: No, just, I suspect I suspect that I have it, but yes. like corona light. So I'm not dying yet, Uh, and I don't have a fever, but I have some, like, real heaviness in my chest. Um, I'm still able to take a deep breath, so that's good. I don't think I've ever been this tired in my entire life, though. Oh, wow. Like, it is an effort to do small tasks. And I'm, like, kind of, I'm not totally out of shape, but I'm, like, like, I can get up a couple of flights of stairs before it gets hard. Normally, so if that mm-hmm. most, as a comparison, like a couple yeah. of flights. You get to about five, and it starts to be exercise. You know what I'm saying? Right, yes. Uh, so all that said, like getting from the, you know, I did some light vacuuming earlier, and I really had to go lay down after that. Oh, damn. Uh, so... Yeah, so that's where we're at. Um, and other news, as of this moment, the Woodland, California Costco uh, has toilet paper. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> so that's why you're seeking updates uh, via right before we went on. Interesting.
0: Yes, yes. I well, I need content because we just recorded an episode yesterday, so.
1: Yeah, um, I and I certainly don't have anything new corona to offer other other than uh, the the depressing increase in case totals from just yesterday.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, maybe let's not focus on that so much. Okay. <laughs> people people <laughs> do, can get you, their you want to keep it light. News.
1: All right, yeah. Yeah,
0: well, and I was I'm going to keep it corona corona light. That's <laughs>
1: Oh, what I'm I trying see. To do here. <laughs>
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, people can get their news elsewhere. It's just you know, um, we're we're all in this together, my friends. So uh, my
1: my Corona light is uh, even though I I've mostly been self quarantining I uh-huh. did went do a drive through at the local Taco Bell uh, before we oh, recorded. Man. Oh boy! I I I mean I, I realize that's not great, but I really just. I felt like I needed to eat Taco Bell before we record because are, hmm. are, are are we are we hoping maybe we can get like a Taco Bell endorsement or something? I feel like that might be the the natural go to because you really like Taco Bell. We've talked Taco about Bell's Taco great. Bell on this pod numerous times. Our patron yeah. pa- patrons on Patreon. Received a Taco Bell gift card amongst mm-hmm. all the the other swag they got, and yeah. I, and, and honestly, I'm just kind of I'm really thrilled with what I had uh, before recording. Which uh, the, this month their special is a triple mm-hmm. lupa. It's like oh, what it's is a, that? It's a case of lupa, but it's like segmented into three uh, mini sort of. Uh, chalupas
0: that
1: um, Okay, what's a quesalupa? No, no, wait, 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 I'm sorry, I misspoke It's not a quesalupa because that's
0: okay.
1: a, queso, a quesalupa was that thing they were doing where it was a chalupa but like the shell was a quesadilla with like Monterey Jack cheese in it Okay So the, but the
0: chalupa is normally like a fry bread
1: The chalupa is normally like a fry bread Yes Okay, that sounds really intense. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah, well, yeah, the case of lupa was, uh, uh, you, you remember that commercial they had for it? Uh-uh. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll post it on the pod account. But, yeah, no. The this triple lupa was just a normal chalupa, only it was like the shell was like these three, it was segmented into three, and you would tear them off. So mm. it was like uh, uh, a sort of a, a triple... Chalupa slider situation. Wow. Yeah I, I i went through and I got the triple lupa box, so it came with that,
0: mm.
1: a normal taco, a right, a drink, and those cinnamon uh-huh. twist things, which yep. are are good. But like, I feel like if if they're the third item in the box, I feel like uh-huh. I want one additional thing in the box. Like, you know. I feel-
0: Yeah, I feel like you're right. Like, here's what I I would rather have: like a side of like nachos, like chips with the nacho cheese they have there. I would rather have that than the um, the cinnamon twist.
1: Yeah, yeah, I. I don't,
0: I don't hate them. I just don't really want them ever. (laughs)
1: Right, same here. Like when I get them, I I'll eat them and like, oh, I like the cinnamon taste, but it's not something that I would ever think to add to my taco bell order uh, yeah and, and the thing is is when i want when i order one of these boxes uh special combo things i want like three things i associate as being an item in there now right. if, if 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 i have like the main thing like this time around it's that that triple triple lupa a taco, and then like you say, like nachos or just some other food item and the mm. cinnamon twists are added in, then that, mm. then that's actually pretty damn cool. But if the cinnamon yeah. twists are the third item, uh, it, it just feels a little skimpy that time around, you know?
0: Yeah, they were doing the, um, recently, like within the last year and a half, they were doing some kind of box. If I remember, it was like, Chalupa, um, some kind of burrito. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It was like the beefy, cheesy burrito or something. And then two, two regular tacos. Damn. And the drink. And that was five bucks. I'm like, that's two meals, dude. You eat that chalupa immediately. Eat the two tacos immediately. You got a burrito for the next day.
1: Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Now that, that is value right there. Yeah. Yeah, that
0: was a great deal.
1: Um, yeah, the uh, is it is it heresy if I mention Del Taco on here or?
0: Um, no, I mean, I, I, we, I love, I love Del Taco. I don't love it as much as Taco Bell. Okay. You know, yeah. I worry though if we're angling for that Taco Bell <laughs> ad money, if bringing in the direct competitor is the wisest thing. <laughs> but since we're not doing that right now, I think you should probably talk about Del Taco as well.
1: Yeah, the Del Taco has a, a pretty nice uh, deal. It's the $6 sampler box. And, you know, that mm-hmm. comes with a drink. And then they're uh, in their usual order of french fries. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was a, there's a uh, bean and cheese burrito. There is a. Mm.
0: Oh, I love I love those from there. I like those way better than the Taco Bell ones. Oh wow! The ones at Del Taco, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you get the you because they ask you like green or red sauce, right?
1: That's right. They 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 ask yeah. me every time, green or red.
0: Yeah. What do you uh, go with?
1: Uh I mostly go with red, but you're I fucking ha- fired. <laughs> God, I answered wrong. <laughs> I was even going to throw in my hedge the bet like but sometimes I order green but damn I didn't even get get a chance to to throw that in. Oh. I just I'm just
0: I'm just teasing. I'm 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 usually go green but sometimes I go red. I'm a bi. I'm pan sauce. Pan sexual for their sauce. <laughs> pan, pan sauce. I'll switch it up.
1: Yeah. Um and then, in addition to that, there's, like, a, a chicken taco, a soft taco. hmm Oh, I uh, love those. Yeah, you know, and the thing is, is their chicken tacos, like, the chicken they use is really good. It, it has this, like, mm-hmm. zestiness to it that yeah. I have found, like, is... It's what I used to go to El Polo Loco for, but it seems like... Mm-hmm. Years ago, El Polo Loco chose, changed their whole, their whole raison d'etre because like the chicken stopped yeah. being all sesty and lemony and it's like, they just, they made it boring so it'd be more acceptable to gringos or something.
0: I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they did, but I, it's definitely everything feels saltier now. Yeah. El Pololoco. Loco. Yeah. Like I used is, to love it.
1: Oh, me too. I, that used to be like my top place and I. Yeah. Uh, I really have not gone there unless there wasn't any other choice in a long time. And then there was God. What was the last thing in that sampler? Oh, and, and then the sampler box had like this quesadilla with I don't know. I think steak in it. So, uh, but oh, that, man. overall, it's it's a pretty it was a, it's a pretty damn good deal for six dollars. So You're
0: really making me want some del taco. Del taco.
1: Right <laughs> Gonna have to bring... Break- <laughs> But you can't, because you don't want to break quarantine, Crystal. So.
0: No. No leaving no. for me. I guess if I was really desperate, I could, like, call Postmates and then, like, have them leave it outside the door. <laughs> but is, is,
1: is Postmates, like, one of those, like, they, they go and yeah. grab the food for you and bring it? Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: But, like, I don't need $10 of tip and service charges added to my Del Taco order. <laughs> like, I'm principal alone, I'm not doing that. Uh, yeah. So... Anyways, hey, should we talk about Unsolved Mysteries?
1: We probably should.
0: First one, what is this um, type of segment here?
1: Uh, You know, I didn't even really pay attention to... (laughs) I think this is a running thing. I don't really pay... I I, I always seem to miss when the the little thing, the segment category flies up to the screen. Uh uh-huh. I guess maybe lost love or
0: hmm. I think it's missing persons.
1: Missing persons. Okay, I'm right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes more sense. Let's, yes.
0: Let's see if I'm right. Uh yeah, jackpot, missing persons. Okay, so we're this is another Vietnam wh- this is actually really similar to one we talked about a few episodes ago, uh, mm-hmm. about ostensibly um a bunch of Guys, I'm sorry. Soldiers were on a flight in Southeast Asia, and the flight went down. It was a helicopter, uh, one,
1: right? A helicopter crash. Yeah, it was a or...
0: helicopter in the last yeah. one, and then basically, like the last one, the bodies were too burned to identify correctly, or something, or somebody thought they saw their brother.
1: And yeah, there was some picture a... that that from like a POW situation, and they thought they saw like. Uh, their, their missing loved one. And we, we both conclude I mean, the conclusion was that it wasn't, but we both agreed mm-hmm. that it was understandable that they could come to that conclusion because it was a very similar looking dude.
0: Right. So this is a little different. It still involves a, a flight going down, but um, so in I'm sorry, you guys. Like I'm not super great on my Vietnam War history. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess the Vietnam War technically ended, at least the American involvement, in it, on January 27th, in 1973. The Paris Peace Accords.
1: Yep. Uh,
0: that isn't actually when our involvement in Southeast Asia ended, uh, as we are to find out. Uh, <sighs> So Sergeant Peter Crussman, he is, after the the peace accord is ratified, he is asked to fly uh, some top secret reconnaissance missions. Mm -hmm. And so he decides to write his congressman. And he says, you know, basically we're being asked to do these things. I'm not going to defy orders. I just thought you should know.
1: I'm being asked to do something that, seems yeah. to be in violation of what our country's official policy is yeah
0: yeah um, so um i and i feel like probably people who are listening to the show and know more about this than me know all about the secret war in Laos and our involvement in Cambodia and all of that uh so this is related to that so about a week later after the the peace treaty is signed um a crew along with Sergeant Cressman go up in a plane called the Baron 52 to fly a secret mission. So they were going to spy on North Viet- Vietnamese tanks that were moving into Cambodia. Yes. Um so we're not even in Vietnam anymore. No. <laughs> like this is just a just the Southeast Asian uh arena generally. Yeah. Uh so the plane. Um, was shot down. Radio contact ceased. The wreckage of the Baron Fifty Two is located in the jungle and Laos. Um, rescue team was only able to recover the remains of one of the pilots, etc., etc. Basically, uh, what happens here is now we have the two, the two of the crewmen's mothers have come on Unsolved Mysteries um, to sort of question what they've been told about what happened with their sons.
1: Yeah.
0: And. Uh, they're, it's very interesting because during the, the length of the segment, the mothers are basically like, we believe what our government tells us. Um, but as the segment goes on, you know, they have reason to question whether or not their sons are in fact dead. First they were listed as missing in action. Then it was killed in action. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some talk that they'd in fact been, Captured in Laos and then um, taken to the Soviet Union.
1: Yes, like because the thing was, is the plane. Uh, they the, the plane wreckage was found, and they found one of the bodies. They didn't find any other bodies, uh, but and they like they observed that all the parachutes were gone. So the, mm-hmm. the the assumption is that perhaps uh, the the crew had bailed out and been captured, and we have a reenactment of some U.S. servicemen being led through uh, the jungle uh, and, and as as POWs. And yeah, there was conjecture that they ended up in the Soviet Union, which is not. Uh, I don't think that's that's you know that's not a ridiculous. Uh, Notion to entertain because I believe there were American servicemen who were captured in Korea who eventually ended up in the in the Soviet Union. Yeah, I, actually, I back like a decade ago, I read this a really fast fascinating book about Americans caught up in the the Gulag Gulag and mm-hmm. system in the Soviet Union. Um, because like even like American peel. Americans and British in World War II ended up in the gulag system. Because, like, basically, if I, under- if I recall correctly, uh, as the Soviet Union uh, 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 moved uh, uh, into uh, Eastern Europe and into uh, Germany, like, basically, American and British POWs and German hands that they came across they basically just shipped east and and put them to work as slave labor in the Soviet Union. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and then there was like, plus there's already thousands of Americans in the gulag system. Because during the 30s, during the Great Depression, the Soviet Union invited uh, Americans to come work in the Soviet Union. And, you know, there, so there's like a couple of hundred like really hardcore communists who, who just automatically went. Uh, but then also, mm-hmm. like, you know, several thousand, like, Americans who were just desperate for work in any sort of form, and they were initially welcomed in the Soviet Union, like, you know, beca- kind of became minor celebrities and were showered with lavish praise. Because, I mean, they're, they're, they're a nice propaganda piece, because it's like, oh, they're fleeing the capitalist West to, to uh, come here to the Soviet Union. But then, like during the late '30s, when like the, the things you know, where, where the terror really started to get ramped up in the uh, in the Soviet in the USSR, uh, because they were from outside of the, because they were foreigners, they were, they they became, they became ever increasingly objects of suspicion, mm-hmm. um, and so. Uh, quite quite a few of them uh, ended up just being scooped up into, uh, dumped into the gulag system after they'd ceased to be useful. And they actually, I mean, they, they were kind of trapped in a pretty bad situation because, like, even those who could, like, reach Moscow and reach the U.S. Embassy didn't really get any help because, um, like, there were... <laughs> it wasn't the fir- first US ambassador to the Soviet Union. That was a guy named William Bullitt who was like, he was initially pretty pro-Soviet regime, but after being there for a few years, he became a pretty thorough anti-communist be- because of the uh, atrocities he saw. But like for a couple of years, the American ambassador uh, to the Soviet Union, Joseph Davies, um, hmm. he was like, he just pretty much entirely swallowed like any amount of propaganda the Soviet union handed over to him. And so he, him and like the U S press in the Soviet union were pretty, pretty willing to just like, you know, accept whatever propaganda that came their way. You know, they're pretty fairly pro Soviet, but then also uh, Americans trying to escape had a, uh, they they were doubly screwed over because like even like the U.S. Embassy, embassy staff who were like very anti-Soviet and communist were also mm-hmm. thoroughly un, were at, just as uninterested in helping because like their attitude was like well you made your bed so you get to sleep in it um this is what I, so yeah uh uh ter- ter- terrible terrible uh. Uh, fate for quite a few people
0: anyway so what you're saying is so what you're saying is it's not unreasonable to think is that this crew may have been or some of them may have been shipped off to the soviet union
1: yeah i mean it's it's i mean it's not what i initially would think would, would have happened but it's not mm-hmm. it's not certainly not impossible like all sorts of foreigners have have just ended up like getting trapped in the Soviet system uh, Mm -hmm. through a variety of ways. And I, I mean, I could, I could see, I could see something like that happening perhaps, especially like, you know, I mean, just like the United States is pretending that these guys are not captured, you know, if, if the presumption that they survived the crash is true are pretending that they were just killed. And that, you know, mm-hmm. they're not like, because, because they're, I mean, they're this, they're this inconvenient piece because the United States should just signed the, the peace accords. And I mean, I guess for the North Korea, the, the, I mean, we're sorry, the North Vietnamese side, it's also sort of this awkward thing. You don't want to be holding onto these guys after you've, <laughs> you've also just signed this, this accord. So I don't know, right. maybe shipping them to the Soviet union might be a, a way to sort of just like. Throw the problem out the window or something.
0: Oh uh, well, I was going to say this gets further complicated because one of the mothers of one of the crewmen from the Baron Fifty Two speaks with the actual Assistant Secretary of Defense that was at the Bears' Peace Talks, mm-hmm. and she claims that he was he was told to cross off the crewmen's names from a government list of American POWs captured in Vietnam.
1: Yeah, so, so that they yeah, and like you say, their status. Gets changed from missing to killed. Um, And then,
0: but seemingly back to missing? Right. But we're not going to try and get them back? Like, it's very strange.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it is.
0: Um, So so then uh, Unsolved Mysteries calls Roger Shields. And he didn't want to appear on camera, um, but he basically says, like, to the producers. Um, he wasn't ordered to cross off the men's names, but he, he has this, he has a reason to believe that the men may have still been alive and were captured. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this segment ostensibly ends because the families, I think the, the, the missing crew members might still be alive and might be found either in yeah. Laos or um, the Soviet union. Yeah. Uh, as far, there's no update. By the way. No. That's that's it. I mean, it is it is truly an unsolved mystery. Uh and as far as like in the way of reenactments, we don't really get too much. There's a lot of like B roll footage of the Vietnam War again.
1: Uh, yeah, that's that seems to be like I, I imagine I guess if you're if you're in charge, if you're a producer for this show, anytime a Vietnam segment comes up, you probably see it as an opportunity to fill a lot of space with Easily acquired B-roll footage from yeah. <laughs> from the well, studio. It's
0: a yeah, it's a, uh, it's yeah, a money saver. Yeah, re- really. Sure. I think
1: the the reenactments we get are of like, uh, Cressman writing his letter, the mm-hmm. the the march of the prisoners through the jungle, and I think the family like breaking uh, opening up <clears throat> his storage locker when it's shipped back to his back to them. Uh I think yeah, that's, that's it. About
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so not much in the way of reenactment here but a fascinating segment nonetheless. Uh Yeah,
0: it's uh there's there's some stuff that's in the unsolved mysteries wiki um that further complicates this. And this is so this remains to this day such an unsolved mystery. Yeah. Um should I should I read for, for, uh, from the wiki here? I think you should. Okay. Um, so in November of 1992, joint task force excavated the Baron 52 crash site and recovered the partial remains of seven sediments. Remember, this is in Laos. Um, none of the remains can be positively identified, but the military and many of the family members of the missing men believe that they are their remains. In fact, Joseph, he was, this is one of the crewmen now, Joseph Medejov's dog tags were recovered and identified. For unknown reasons, some of the families refused to have DNA testing done on the remains, In December of 1995, the remains of the Baron 50 crew were finally laid to rest at Arlington National Cemetery. Robert A. Cressman, the older brother of Sergeant Peter Cressman, further adds that his brother was positively identified by some military organization. There's some acronym here, C-I-L-H-I, based on uh, dental x-rays. The U.S. Air Force provided these x-rays to his family. This is the Cressman family. Which showed a full set of upper and lower teeth. However, Peter had had several teeth knocked out prior to entering the U.S. Air Force, which adds further doubt to the identification. To this day, the Crespins and the, the Madiavs are still searching for answers. Mm. It just got more complicated.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it's not really like <laughs> there, there, there's 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 tantalizing hints of answers there, but also with an additional mm. layer of questions. So. Eh. It's just, it's just basically like the the, the Taco mm-hmm. Bell beefy five layer. I mean, we, we we just added a couple more layers. <laughs> it is.
0: It's just like it.
1: Yeah. This oh. this
0: is the uh, this segment is the beefy five layer of so unsolved mystery segment.
1: Do, do you have like a sort of instinct, uh, uh, speculation, personal feel, intuition as to what you think the circ- what, what happened?
0: Oh yeah, I think the Vietnam War was a fucking mistake. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I think happened. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, re- I really have no idea. I don't yeah. um, it, because uh, I don't. I don't think the, the families are going off on any kind of wild theories here. In fact, they're they're getting support from the Assistant Secretary of Defense at the time, yeah, saying that yeah, these guys might be alive, but essentially we have to the war is over and there's nothing we can do about it. Right. And we also have the letter to the congressman saying, I'm being asked to fly top secret missions to Laos and Cambodia. And this isn't right. So, and we all, and we historically know all that was going on too now. So I, I really, I don't know. I have no idea. I, what do you think happened?
1: Yeah. I mean, like it would not surprise me if the, these men had in fact survived and they became prisoners And it's just because it's kind of inconvenient for all the major players involved, the United Mm -hmm. States and the, and and North Vietnam, because they've just crafted this agreement. So, I mean, to, to have this come out, is just obviously not desirable for all involved. So basically they, both sides just agreed, like, we'll just pretend that, (laughs) that these guys don't exist. So, yeah, yeah,
0: I mean it's it's I mean it's really fucked up, all that yeah. every from every angle. Um, well,
1: what, you want to talk about another <laughs> fucked up situation, but of a different nature?
0: Boy, do I! <laughs> so we're going to talk about a real motherfucker named.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: His name is Paul Stamper. Uh, yeah. Listen, here's what's up there was a very uh, nice young woman named uh, Teresa Walden and uh, she went, this is all taking place in uh, Kingfisher, Oklahoma, uh, in the Mm -hmm. oil, the oil world. Um, So Teresa Walden goes to work for Paul Stamper as a secretary. Uh, She's, you know, she falls in love for, you know, after a few weeks they start dating. Uh, He buys her a Corvette uh, and then soon after he asked her to marry him and then, so they get married. So then about, you know, six months in things really just shit hits the fan. The kind of, I, and I'm not going to get super into it because it's like really upsetting, but like the abuse that to Ther- the abuse, uh, manipulation and controlling behavior that Teresa describes and there's, they show pictures of her and she's pretty banged up. And, oh, you know, God, god, that picture like she-
1: was, was was truly horrifying to look at
0: yeah it's not good um uh this yeah this case is so fucked up (laughs) oh my god Uh, i'm sorry for laughing it's just my way of coping with things that are awful okay yeah so so teresa um couldn't go anywhere she couldn't look at anybody just you know think of every awful controlling thing you can. And then there, you got it. Uh, she she basically,
1: she says that like, basically if she was just riding in the car with Paul and she happened to like, just rotate her head and looks in a direction for like a few seconds. And there happened to be a man in her line of sight. He would like, yeah. he would go off.
0: Well, he, he punched her. That's what yeah. she said. Um, yeah, the the abuse is, is described as to the point of being sort of cartoonish, but uh, I believe her. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so one day, Teresa's out of town or something, which I'm confused about, that she was allowed to be out of town and then for some reason had a female friend staring, staying with her abusive husband in she, the house instead.
1: I, I can only, like... Yeah,
0: or did they both go out of town, and then like a friend was staying in the house while they're that? Out of that,
1: town? that may have been the case. I kind of feel like that was maybe the case. Yeah.
0: This makes this makes this whole plot so stupid.
1: Because <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, like we basically have a situ- The conjecture here is because a man breaks, uh, slips into the house, uh, finds a female form sleeping on the couch, and I guess attempts to kill her with a knife yeah. but she yes. uh, her her reaction uh causes him to panic and run off so the friend survives thankfully but this this presumable like this man was someone who worked for paul uh, the presumption right. being that he was high hired by paul to kill his wife <clears throat> and
0: right do you think paul was just like drop by any old time?
1: Yeah, I. You're. I think you're correct in that this was. This obviously did not seem to be a well thought out plot because he could have. No. He should have at least informed this guy. Like, look, uh, we're not going to actually be in in town between these hours. Or mm-hmm. the the only alternative I can think of is maybe he was out of town. And. Yeah. Uh, so she took the opportunity to I don't know visit her mother or something out of his watchful eye and right. and her friend was also going to be staying there maybe maybe Paul like maybe she said to Paul like hey I'm going to have a friend I have no idea. Uh, Paul, I don't Paul's probably not not, not the sh- sharpest guy so
0: No and importantly sorry I forgot to mention this Epic failure by the cops. So Paula had been arrested and charged with assault and battery. Uh and the charges were inexplicably dropped, and this happened at least five times.
1: Well yeah, well, the the there's a suggestion that he is bribing.
0: Yeah. Well that's what he told Teresa.
1: Oh he told yeah. Told her that.
0: So then the man comes in with the knife <laughs> to the <laughs> stamper home. Um so anyway, this guy Gary Trout. Okay, uh, he he uh, tells tells the cops everything. I guess Paul was arrested, charged with accessory to attempted murder. Um, at Gary's trial, I guess Gary refused to testify against Paul, though. Um, yeah. And then Paul's the charges against Paul were once again dropped. Um, Gary must recent, have been well
1: paid to like not rat out Paul.
0: Yeah, I guess. So, I mean, I, I, what, I don't know, this is going to get a lot more insane, so let's just <laughs> buckle up here. Okay, so Teresa finally leaves him. Um, so, uh, at some point, uh, Paul comes by Teresa's parents' house, where Teresa is staying, throws a brick through a window or something. At this point in the reenactment, though, I want to point something out that I thought was very strange about the reenactment itself okay um why did the the bedroom that was used here have a wind chime hanging inside (laughs)
1: um a wind chime inside uh so it could make noise or did it make noise in the reenactment no it
0: was just kind of hanging there but normally that's like an outside thing (laughs)
1: Yeah, um, uh, perhaps they had limited materials available to decorate the room for this reenactment.
0: Yeah, maybe.
1: And someone was just like, oh, well, hang it up. It'll sort of be like a dream catcher.
0: <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that was the intent. It was just like a weird thing to see hanging inside. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, uh, well, it would be like well, if of course somebody had like, a lawnmower is when, in
0: their living room
1: <laughs> Well, I mean, with the brick through the window now The the wind chime might actually have a chance <laughs> to, to make some sound
0: That's true, there's no more glass there Yeah, <laughs> uh, Yeah, I mean, that's the thing If you have a wind chime inside, it's really only operational If you've got your window open and the wind's blowing really hard Mm-hmm Or if you point a room fan like directly at it,
1: uh, it could have sentimental value, or
0: I don't know. Uh, Well, anyway, (laughs) it was a weird choice. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so uh, Paul throws the brick through the window. He, you know, makes sure that Teresa sees him, and he's out there like revving a truck and whatever bullshit. Um, she calls the police of course nothing is done uh, a year goes by Teresa has since moved on with her life um, she's got a new boyfriend Chris um, unbeknownst to the, they're at a party so they're leaving the party Paul is watching the whole thing with a high powered telescope in his car uh, is this the kind of telescope that you can see like Saturn with
1: <laughs> yeah it did it, it seem pretty large I mean this it seems like Judging from the distance he was from the house, he really wouldn't need that much of something to like be able to, to to identify if you know if it's her leaving the house or not. But yeah, no, he's yeah. got he's got something that at the very least you can get a pretty good image of the moon to, to examine.
0: Would would not a pair of binoculars sufficed in this situation?
1: <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> maybe maybe it's to suggest maybe the its presence is to ju- suggest just how controlling Paul was I, that, yeah like, I mean this he is couldn't like the... se- he couldn't settle for binoculars he needed he no. needed a high power powered you know telescope so that he could like you know get absolute up close detail. That's how. That's how. Because mm. as if he was right next to her. Because that's that's what he needs.
0: Yeah, it's a it's an it's in a level of insanity here. Uh, <laughs> it's really over the top. So yeah. the, so Teresa and Chris they leave the party. Uh, they they get pulled over by what they think is a highway patrolman. They see some flashing lights behind them, and it turns out that's not who it is. It's Paul, and he. He shoots Chris um, and then abducts Teresa at gunpoint. Chris seriously wounded. He actually survived, but the bullet like went through his heart and his spleen and his lung and stuff. But he's like he survived amazingly. Uh-huh. Uh so Paul takes Teresa driving north. Um two days later, they stop at a restaurant in Topeka, Kansas. Uh Weirdly, he lets the guard down. She gets to use the restroom. At that point, Teresa goes into the restaurant manager's office and call has him call the police. Uh, Paul vanishes before they arrive. Um, so five hours later, though, Paul is arrested while boarding a bus in Salinas, Kansas. Um, so we're thinking, oh hell yeah, they got this guy. And he was returned to Kingfisher, Oklahoma, and held at the county jail to await trial. But then uh, a couple of months later, a man broke into the jail and held a gun to the guard, forced her to open Paul's cell, and then Paul escaped with the man who had been paid $10,000 to help him escape. Yeah. So this is why Teresa has now come to – this is a wanted segment, If case that wasn't clear. Right. At the beginning of this. Uh, so Teresa bravely, though she isn't in shadow, she's showing her face. She uses her real name. Um, uh, you know, I think it was pretty, pretty brave of her to go on Unsolved Mysteries and mm-hmm. and come and talk about this, considering. Uh, yeah. So there's an update, of course. Yes. Uh, so all Thank this God. One- so all this went down in 1986. So he's been missing for five years. Um, so of course unsolved mysteries viewers did their, did the damn thing. And they recognized someone recognized that Paul was living in commerce, Colorado, (laughs) which is near Denver. And, um, the, the FBI, he was living under assumed name. And then the FBI went and picked him up and extradited him. Guess what? Back to the same County jail to await trial (laughs) that he'd been broken out of in Oklahoma. (laughs) Uh, no matter. Um he pleaded guilty, Paul pleaded guilty to kidnapping, attempted murder, and prison escape. So uh was sentenced to thirty-five years in prison later getting released on parole in two thousand two after serving only ten years. I really want to talk about in the update the FBI agent that was like, Well, that was easy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Let's talk let's talk about him, shall we?
0: Uh yeah, he was basically saying that it's pretty rare that they go from not even knowing that a felon is uh, existing to, you know, several hours later, picking him up and throwing him in jail. Like, it basically got handed to them on a silver platter because of unsolved mysteries, so...
1: <laughs> He's, yeah, he seems like... Dis-
0: He's I mean, in disbelief. The,
1: yeah, di- <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is like the equivalent of, God, what would it be? Like, I mean, I guess... are. You, One of our reactions if someone just showed up to their to our house and been like, "You inherited this money and just handed us an envelope full of cash and left," or or something. Mm -hmm. He is just like, "Please," as punch. He's like, "Gosh, that you know," it's like this one was a freebie. Um. uh, So. Uh, gosh. So did you, did you see, uh, either, like uh, if, if you're looking through the wiki or through independent research, mm-hmm. that there was a lifetime movie based off this?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Do you think we should watch it for a special pa- patrons only episode?
0: I'm No, no, I really don't want to watch that.
1: <laughs> Connor, cut out that suggestion so that.
0: <laughs> well, it's only because like, I don't really like. And We're going to get, I mean, spoiler, we're going to get another one next time we record with these domestic abuse cases and just, I don't, I don't know. This isn't, this isn't why I got into the unsolved mysteries (laughs) business. You know, I'm here, I'm here for fraud. I'm here for treasure. I'm here for ghosts. I'm here for UFOs. Um, you know, I, I'll leave that to other true, true crime. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Okay. Uh, we well. Did I you want to watch it? No. Well, I mean, the thing is, is I like that you don't want to watch this because then it makes my suggestion for our, um, for our and for our full audio for my rather my suggestion for the full audio commentary track for Caddyshack Two as being a Patreon mm-hmm. thing uh, much yeah. more desirable by comparison.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'd much
1: rather watch Caddyshack, too. Yeah, of course, I have to fly down there so we can live record together watching it. Um, I I see that plane tickets to Los Angeles are very cheap right now, but obviously... (laughs)
0: I, well I plane tickets to everywhere are very cheap right now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: of course seeing us our planes there probably won't be any flights going to anywhere in, in a few days. Um but yeah. Uh yeah, this was a um uh I'm glad that, that they caught this guy and it was pretty satisfying when the when we have the shot of the actual guy being led uh, by authorities yeah. his head is hung so low so low his nose yeah. is almost buried into his chest so why uh,
0: fuck that guy though you know well yeah what? yeah
1: that's 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 why it's so satisfying <laughs> mm.
0: uh speaking of satisfying you wanna talk about some fraud
1: uh, let's talk about some fraud This is this is some fascinating fraud. We got Josephine White, uh, yeah. who who the say who the show refers to as what was it a human chameleon?
0: <laughs> yes, because like uh, th- as far as the reenactment goes, though she's just like switching wigs around, <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? Well, yeah, like later on we, we see like she has this room full of. Um, Uh, like little mannequin heads with different wigs on that she'll put on and then like a variety of like either sunglasses or other things to, um, the, the idea is like the stuff is so noticeable that like her victims will be focused on that and less on her normal facial features. So it's not Mm -hmm. quite like she's a human chameleon. Uh, even as much as the show might ins- insist that she's a chameleon. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, she is engaged in, and I was not aware of this term, pigeon drop.
0: Yeah. Which the is, old pigeon drop.
1: The old pigeon drop, which unsolved mysteries <laughs> refers to in such a way as to suggest that the audience, as if to assume the audience is familiar. So I'm assuming this is like something that was a little bit, more well known in the past. It kind of seems like nowadays pigeon drop uh, type scams are more internet based, whether they're 419 mm-hmm. schemes. I mean, it's basically a form of advanced fee fraud. Uh, and this Josephine White has been engaged in duping countless uh, elderly men and women in this scheme. Mm-hmm. And we get. In the reenactment, we get one example of it, which is a woman that uh, the show refers to as Barbara to protect her uh, identity. She's a, was it, a, a, a nurse, former nurse, and Latvian immigrant? Um,
0: Lithuanian, I think.
1: Lithuanian, yes. Sorry. <laughs> she was able to escape it really out really of the... matter. She was able to escape out of the Soviet Union. Um, yeah,
0: just not... She wasn't able to escape the pigeon drop though.
1: No, no. Uh, she's walking along and is approached by Josephine white who the, in the reenactment, she, you know, she presents herself as like, look, I, I need your help to figure out what to do. I found this envelope full of all this money. And, you know, she opens it up and you see that like it's, it's, it's filled with cash though. The show reveals that it, the money is fake um yeah and she's like what should we do and, and you know the the barbara is like well maybe we should take it to the police and the woman's like oh i don't know the police the police might just take the money and then we won't get any um and very quickly uh a a third individual shows up a a, a man who is turns out to be she's Jose he's josephine's accomplice and he's like Hey, I, I couldn't help but over here. Uh, can I help you? And the two between the two of them, they kind of, I guess, they gaslight Barbara into thinking, going along with what seems like a plan to divide the money between the three of them. Um, and before we get to the, the the rest of the plot, I just wanted to point out, in the reenactment, all of this is, did you notice that all of this is happening uh, in front of a christian science bulletin board
0: i did notice that i'm like is this i was wondering if that was a deliberate choice or just what they happen to be filming in front of
1: yeah i well of course with so often with unsolved mysteries it's it's mostly convenience right (laughs) particularly with uh, robert stack's interstitials but also um i'm assuming there must be uh or at the time of this shooting there must have been a Christian science bulletin board somewhere in a easily accessible place that unsolved mysteries could shoot in for free and uh, without much logistical problems, do you think? Or maybe? Yeah. I or, mean,
0: the, it looks like this is like being shot in Glendale or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if maybe Barbara was, was a Christian scientist and the show, mm. the show just didn't maybe. mention it. But they, but they chose to go with the detail of showing she was on her way to services or something, and that's where she got yeah. it accepted. Um, well,
0: it's also like I'm wondering what they didn't mention though. Are these are they just scamming elderly people generally, or are, they, are these people being picked out ahead of oh, time somehow?
1: Oh, oh yeah. It, well, I mean, I don't know about necessarily how much they're picked out ahead of time, but the mm-hmm. the, the at one point in the show they did mention that like. Josephine White explicitly is targeting targeting the elderly elderly. Uh, men right. or women, but people are just very old. Uh, because she is a jerk monster. Yeah. Um, with a
0: lot of wigs.
1: With a lot of wigs. Uh, basically yeah, uh, a chameleon, if you will. A, mm-hmm. a, a swindling chameleon. But Yes, so Josephine in her persona as whatever, like alludes to having a boss who but knowledgeable in taxes or money or something, and mm-hmm. put forwards the proposition like, let's talk with my boss. He knows quite a bit about this sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. and he can you know, he'll let us know if we can keep it or what, because the I guess the 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 component that helps maybe make someone uh, cause I, I would think that if you or I were in this situation, we would insist that the money be taken to the police. And that way, if anyone, you know, who's missing it, could, they could, they could reclaim it. And if no one claims it, then we would get it anyway. Uh, I
0: wouldn't at, even, I, I don't even think I would get to the point of the conversation where we're like, let's take it to the police. I'd be like the fuck out of here. Get out of my face. I don't know you. Like, I'd be right. I mean, polite,ly yeah, but I would just be like, "Whatever this is, no, thank you." That's basically <laughs> what
1: I would say. <laughs> it, it surely is very, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think like the the component that Josephine puts, because along with the the money, she shows that there's this note like that basically says, "Hey, I want uh, Jose. I want all this money at the racetrack." Uh, but I want to, like, I'm going to deliver it to you in cash so we don't have to pay any taxes. And obviously, nice. that's meant to suggest to each victim, like, well, okay, first of all, the people whose money this is are obviously, it's ill-gotten gains in some sort of way. So it's not that big a deal if they don't get it. But also, but but then also, yeah, it, it, it suggests that... Uh, yeah, but it, it just it just to to help incentivize, like, yeah, it's not a big problem problem if uh, if we just split this money, even though obviously Barbara she's insisting, you know, she starts out like we need we need to like figure out a way to get it back to Jose or or or, yeah. or whatnot, but because she's sort of being uh worked on from both sides during the car trip to see josephine's quote-unquote boss yeah. the the man who's the accomplice is meant going into this long sob story about how his like his wife has cancer and he desperately right. needs the money so basically you know the the way this is working is like uh she from her perspective she has two different like individuals pressuring her from two different ways right um so she did they
0: kidnap barbara like how did they get her in the car it seems like they kind of just forced her into the car
1: yeah i i well i mean I, they're i'm not sure how much coercion it was so much as like she she got gaslit into like like, feeling guilty not going along with them to, to the car mm-hmm. to talk to the boss um, and you know with the guy laying on the story about how his wife needs the the money and whatnot like I mean they' they're, they're, I like I didn't get the idea that this this car ride was supposed to be intimidating so much mm-hmm. as it was just like a chance to further be like oh please trying trying to induce guilt. Like, uh-huh. like she's going to feel guilty if she like insists this money go to the police. Cause then this poor guy's wife is going to die and stuff. Uh, and so yeah, their car arrives at Josephine's quote unquote workplace. And she goes inside, talks with her, allegedly talks with her boss comes out. It's like, okay, he says we can keep the money, but we need to, prepay the taxes in advance. And so we need five thousand dollars. Do you have five thousand dollars? Um and so poor Barbara uh ends up being taken to her bank where she withdraws five thousand dollars, pretty much her entire safe and savings. Mm-hmm. Um and they go back to the the you know the the quote unquote work you know josephine's workplace she goes inside comes back out and it's like okay everything's all situated you just have to go inside and and collect your money and this is where i like i really remember seeing this segment because they do this heartbreaking Mm -hmm. depiction of barbara walking down a hallway in one of these sort of shared you know office spaces with different businesses sharing a hallway and she goes to, like, room 204, where which is where she was instructed to get her money. She goes up to it, tries to open the door. It's locked. Uh, for want of knowing what else to do, she goes back outside, and the car is gone. Because. Yeah. Yeah. Along with her $5,000. And you get, like, a doubly heartbreaking depiction of her entering her Her home and just being at a total loss, because that's part of, I guess, why Josephine would target these, uh, particularly these elderly uh, potential victims, because if it succeeds and she gets the money, they feel embarrassed that they fell for it, and they are less inclined to talk, because they're worried that they could end up in a home or, or, or something because you know that like the, the children or grandchildren will be like you know they just lost all their money because it, but someone just basically like came along and asked for their money and gave it they're obviously not in any condition to be living alone anymore so uh just just double add a Doubles the amount of how much of a creep uh, this the so called human chameleon is.
0: Yeah, she sucks.
1: Yeah, but thankfully <laughs> uh, she got caught. Uh, she did. We got an update. She got uh, convicted or whatever for larceny, and she served fifteen years mm-hmm. in prison. So.
0: Um. Yeah. You know what I would like to mention at this time is that she served five more years than Paul Stamper did.
1: <laughs> God. Yeah. Um, it seems like there's a lot of disparity in sentencing. Uh, who who was it? Yes. Um, who was it in either the last episode or the episode before? Someone like committed murder and spent, what, like 10 years or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And meanwhile, I like, if we go all the way back to the first season of the show, there was that guy who got, and I know that it was because it was a three strikes thing or something, but like he, he was convicted of like, what, stealing some polis sausage and salting crackers and was facing yeah. life in prison, life in prison.
0: <laughs> yeah. he stole like, you know, half a pepperoni stick and like some jalapeno chips and.
1: <laughs> yeah. Life in prison. <laughs> Meanwhile, dudes yeah. are like going out murdering like multiple people, uh-huh. or you or know, trying to anyway. They're trying to. <laughs> yeah. Um. This yeah. this woman has like ruined hundreds of people's lives by taking their life savings. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and they're, they 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 spend some time in prison and then they get to go out. Meanwhile, that. Yeah. The poor guy is, was
0: was was just locked away for eternity. Oh God! Yeah. A lot of problems. A lot of problems. Uh, Robbie, listen. Yeah. I think the Rona is uh overtaking me here, and at the at the expense of our podcast, I'm fading.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> so. thank, Thankfully, this was our last segment. Uh, if oh, you're
0: thank in- God.
1: Yeah, if, if, if you're interested in getting updates on our Corona status, go swing by yeah. our official Twitter at ReenactedPod. Or shoot us yeah. an email, uh, ReenactedPod at gmail.com. Go to uh, Reenacted fans podcast page on Facebook. We got a Patreon. Uh, so feel free to, uh, to send us $5 a month and uh (laughs) we'll
0: do we'll we'll give you stuff for that obviously as we mentioned it's not just you it's creating more content um making sure that the lights stay on over here at reenacted pod um i know shit's real tight and it's going to be tight for a while for folks so you know thank you in advance those of you who continue to do it
1: And, uh, please five stars on iTunes or however you listen to this.
0: Yeah. Just, or just smoke signals into the air to let people know.
1: Yes. Tell tell your friends to get five friends Uh, to listen to this podcast. Yeah. And then they'll get five friends and eventually like you'll, you'll, you'll be at the top of the pyramid or something.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah. It'll be, it's like Amway, but also like, don't, Talk to your five friends right now in person, please. Right, or text right. Them or,
1: do everything via very uh, important. internet. Um, yeah. yeah, very
0: important stuff. Uh, Robbie, would you so kindly do the thing?
1: Join us next week for another edition of Unsolved Mysteries.